In 2010, Adam Levine and Christina Aguilera had us all singing out our car windows, declaring that we had the moves like Jagger. Now, take a moment and imagine what your company or your career would look like if you really did have moves like Jagger, if you had rock star moves. Welcome to episode 129 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, and today I am joined by G. Wright a former tour manager and sound engineer with over 25 years in the music business to teach us all how we can channel our inner rock star. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. As a tour manager, G worked with many publicity departments, publicists, and record labels to prepare artists and lead singers for media interviews. For 25 years, G had a front row seat at these interviews and performances, gaining insight to what performers did before they went on stage. And now he's sharing these proven tips and techniques so that you can use these rock star moves to promote yourself, your business, your book, your product, or your company, whatever it is you've got going on. G, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you as well. I think the first question probably you get in every interview is how did you start in the music industry? Well, ever since I was five years old, I wanted to be a radio DJ. So I used to pretend I was a DJ with my Mickey Mouse record player. And I played my mom's Barry Manilow and Carpenters and Beatles records. And I scratched a few of those. But I was going down this path of being a radio DJ. Then at 16, I actually became a commercial radio DJ for a top 40 radio station. So I was going to follow in the footsteps of my hero, Casey Kasem. And then when I turned 18 and I graduated high school, I went on the road with a USO type tour performing at veterans hospitals all throughout the country. And while we were on tour, I ended up sneaking into a Whitney Houston show, meeting her tour manager and watching the show from front of house while her front of house engineer was mixing the show. And at the time I was a front of house engineer as well for, you know, much smaller production. But, you know, Julie, when he put the headphones on me and I heard Whitney's vocal in my ears, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. That's it. It was the crossroads and there was no, no choice. I was going to be, you know, go on the road with bands. I'm going to mix sound. I'm going to be a tour manager and I'm going to go all over the planet. And that's what I did for over 25 years. How do you go from saying this is what I'm going to do to actually doing it? Because those are two very different things. The first thing that the tour manager and front of house engineer told me is that before you do anything, you need training. You need to understand everything about how sound works. You need to understand how this equipment works. You need to understand acoustics and different rooms and things. So you need to go to school to get this. So I went to a recording school in Orlando called Full Sail and went through their program. And my very first gig out was working at Dollywood with Dolly Parton. Yes, I was I was mixing a live band, 14 singers and dancers, full band. Everything was live. There was no tracks, no Memorex back then. And I was doing that like seven shows a day. 
So I'd say the first thing, if somebody wants to do something is get the training of what you want to do, and then put yourself in a position of where you do that every day. Because those five shows, seven shows on weekends at Dollywood is really where I learned my chops of how to mix sound. Okay. I couldn't just walk up to a board like Whitney Houston had or any, any artist at that level and say, I'm going to mix a show. You have to start, not at the bottom necessarily, but you have to start, you have to be realistic with what education you have, what experience you have. And there's nothing better than just deciding to do it and then do it every day. So if like, if you're a coach starting a business, it's one thing to say, I want to do this. It would be great if I could do this. It's another thing to say, I'm a coach. I'm getting the training. This is what I do. And every day I'm just doing one step closer and closer to learning the craft. Yeah. It's funny when you first started talking about listening to your mom's records, I like, I yes. immediately started thinking of the records that I would listen to. Cause you know, I'm of the age where we had records, record players. Yes. Yes. And so mine was Jay Giles band. I would yes. sneak that and listen. Cause I always thought it was so, I always thought it was so like adult because the name of the album was piss on the wall or something like that. And I used to <laughs> right, take it and like, right. and like snicker. And then it was always Neil diamond. Like it yes. was those two that I would listen to. And then if I yes. went to my Nana's house, my Nana was of a different era. She always listened to musicals. So like, I remember the one record she would play over and over again was Man of La Mancha. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like somewhere in the recesses of my brain, I know all the words to that record. So I want to get into, so now we know your history. You've, you've mm -hmm. had 25 years of watching amazing performers mm -hmm. on stage and also in the interview setting. Yes. Let's talk about on stage first. What did you observe that the best performers did to connect with their audience? The very first thing that they did was create their content, write their songs and create like, what is the emotion that they want the audience to feel? So we would rehearse for days and weeks and months in, in these, uh, um, you know, sound stages and rehearsal studios and they would perform the show like they're playing in front of 10,000 people even though there's nobody in there maybe the manager the agent somebody from the record label a publicist or something but they would go out there on stage and we had training for them there's people out there that teach them how to hold microphones how to you know when you're you're playing your guitar everything I don't want to take away from band performance, but I will say that a lot of it is choreographed, especially when you're dealing with bigger productions, mm -hmm. because sound needs to know what the artist is going to do. Lighting needs to know, you know, yeah, on right. this guitar solo, the guitarist goes stage right. So the lighting is focused that way. Right. So it really gets into long before the audience ever sees a performance, there's a ton of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And they have to, and this is what we talk about with rock stars, they really step into their power and channel their inner rock star, even when there's nobody in the room. When there's nobody there, yeah. And it's repetition. Yeah. And it's learning the songs, and it's going over, and it's talking to the audience. Like, And I tour with some pretty big pop acts, and they, in an empty arena, they have to pretend or imagine that there's 30,000, 40,000 people there and perform like they are. Mm -hmm. And we would rehearse, you know, mistakes. Like in the middle of a, a pre-production rehearsal, the manager goes, mute their in-ears. 
I had a pop group that was singing in, in vocal harmony and he's like, mute their in-ears right while they're singing. And, and there's not, no one's in the audience and this isn't mm-hmm. a show. This was a test to see what happens if all of a sudden their in-ears that, you know, the hearing aids mm-hmm. and things they have in their ears. Now everyone has in-ears with the yeah. AirPods. But back then, if the in-ears go out, what are they going to do? You're on stage in front of 30,000 people and your in-ears go out. What do you do? Do you run off stage or do you continue? Mm-hmm. So it's going through that rehearsal part. And like I said before, the repetition is really how it comes down. So by the time the audience sees them, they have that swagger like Jagger, you know, (laughs) they have that je ne sais quoi, the X factor, they have that. And the audience is like, wow, that's amazing. Well, it didn't just happen. It takes a lot of practice. So I can easily make the transition from what you're saying into what I'm doing, because I am a professional speaker, so I'm on the stage. So I practice with no one there. I ask questions to an audience that doesn't exist. I pause for laughter because I think what I said was just funny. But what if what you do for a living doesn't include a stage? It doesn't include an audience. How can we translate that into maybe an office environment, a boardroom, maybe perhaps interviewing. So how can we make that transition into the business world? That's a great question. And Julie, I think it really comes down to if you look at every time you perform as a show, Mm -hmm. whether you go on social media, you're talking to your audience. If you're standing in front of a crowd and giving a presentation, that's a show. If you're on a podcast like today, Mm -hmm. that's a show. So if you take that professional approach that every time you present yourself and your message to your audience, that's a show, then you can use the same, you know, tools and techniques that the rock stars use. Because here's the thing, when you're performing, it doesn't really matter how big your audience is. You just want to connect with that one person. So Uh even if you're going on social, like I I refer to it in rock stars one way. You're on IG live and you're talking to your followers, but there's not really interaction coming back. That's a show. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing to remember is just because it's a show doesn't mean you have to put all this pressure and perfection on, but it's just like a show. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And that's what we cover in Rockstar with the set list. And we can talk more about that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question because. Yeah. I used to go see a lot of live music. I don't as much, maybe I'm midlife. I don't know, but I just don't go see as as much music as I used to. But you would always wonder what the set list would be. And so I think people might not understand, like every group, individual singer, performer gets on and knows exactly what they're going to do. And we've covered that. It's repetition. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. show. So what is the importance of a set list to a musician or a musical group? And then how can we create a set list? And I'm using air quotes here for people who are listening. Yes. A set list in our everyday life. Is it an everyday thing? Is it a weekly thing? Like, let's dive into that. So the set list for musicians performing are the songs that they're going to perform in the order. Mm -hmm. And for everybody on the crew, that's where you get your cues from. And sometimes it's a different set list every show. A lot as a lot of times it might be the same, but it's always like decided right before the show. And then everybody on the crew has it because the lighting crew has cues. So when this song comes up and they they start that scene, that's when all the lights go in the audience. And then 
the guitarist, you know, the lead singer, their stool pops out on stage and there's mm -hmm. another mic and an acoustic guitar and the guitarist sits down and starts strumming and the lights are perfect and everything. Well, that's all planned and that's all part of the set list. So in the professional world, it's the order of the songs that you're going to perform and all the production. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about with Rockstar and the set list is this is a list of stories that you mm -hmm. have that you can share. Just like that story I shared with you at the beginning about how I started out as a radio DJ and the Whitney story and all that. That's part of the set list. Okay. So when someone says, tell me about yourself and what do you do? If you have this set list, I can show it to you. I know it's on video here. Yeah. No, of perfect. all the different oh, stories. Yeah, yeah that you can, and this isn't a script. That's the thing. We, we're not opposed to it, but we don't teach our band members, our clients, how to use a script mm -hmm. because we find with a script, you have to memorize. And then you're like, but did I say the right thing? So yes. it's a set list of stories. Like, so why do you do what you do? Who do you help? This is what we refer to as the top five. You know, how are you different than other people? What is really your story, your transformation, your hero's journey? You know, so if someone says, how'd you get your start rather than, I mean, the key with the set list is it's not a resume and it's not LinkedIn. And I think you <laughs> yes. might see this like, like, well, I started here and I did this and I did this and did this. Take all that. That that's fine. Let's craft that into a story mm -hmm. of when I was young, I always knew I wanted to be in yeah. business and I had a lemonade stand or whatever. It has to be authentic to the person. It has to be true. You know, we're not mm -hmm. making up stories. Right. And then when you share that story with people, they connect more. Yeah. So it's not the order of like every interview, you're going to say the same thing. It's really just stories. And what's great about the set list is it's catered specifically to each show. Every right. interview you do, you can have different points that mm -hmm. you bring out. And that's what we cover with the set list. So how does that list of stories, why we do what we do, like mm -hmm. if I was even thinking back, I was like, well, geez, when I was a little kid, yeah, I was gregarious and outgoing, but I didn't know that that was going to translate into talking to people on stages about not being afraid to talk to other people, you know, so right. there's a little bit of a digging in there, but say it's just, somebody who's listening to this podcast, just they work in an office and they have colleagues, like what does the set list do in that situation when you work in an office environment? We always teach the power of three. So okay. if you're going to give any examples of who you work with, what you do, how you're different, only use three examples. And if you look at amazing public speakers, people like Oprah or Obama or Brene Brown, they do this seamlessly when they talk. You don't have to come out and say, I'm going to give you three points. Number one, two, three. Because mm -hmm. then the audience kind of loses interest and is like looking for a pen. And well, what was number two? Right. But you go out with three points. So if you are given a presentation in the office that you're getting in front of the boardroom, you should have three objectives and focus on those objectives okay. of what, what you want. Narrow it down to three. And then with your set list, you can focus on, okay, are you talking about like uh, human resources, if it's something like that, then you want to share a story. Maybe you're going to share a success story of a new hire to make that point go in that we need to hire more people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yep. if, if you're given projections and you're doing like 
boring PowerPoint and, you know, the fourth Q4 went 4.8% up and all that. If you tie it into a story, I mean, look at Richard Branson. If you look at any time Richard Branson talks, he talks in visuals Mm -hmm. and Oprah talks in visuals. So you can take the most boring or mundane information that you have to present. And if you present it in a nice story and Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be like back in my childhood, this is how I learned how to make money, you know, (laughs) it can be like, bring your CEO into it. You know what I mean? If you're presenting in front of your CEO, bring them into like sharing an engaging story that they can relate to. Mm Because here's the thing, Julie, people will never remember word for word what we say but right. they will remember and have a feeling yeah. associated with it. Yeah, I was real pissed off when I heard a statistic that 87% of what professional speakers say is completely forgotten by the audience. Within like, I know, that's a bummer. I within know. like 10 minutes, I'm like, hot damn, I work real hard on this content. And so then I know when I know there's something that I want them to remember, I always pause and say, write this down. <laughs> Write it down because you're going to forget. You're going to think you're going to remember. You're going to forget. <laughs> well, that becomes your sound bites. Yeah. Right. So if yeah. someone asks like, well, what do we do? Well, we show authors, coaches, creative entrepreneurs how to speak with confidence and clarity, create a crystal clear message and connect with their audience. Yep. You see how the three examples in there mm-hmm. and it's really like confidence and clarity and connect. So that's what we talk about what we work on with the band and in the band practices where everyone can come in and practice their messaging is. You've said this a couple yes. of times. What is the band? Who are the band? Because you've mentioned that a couple of times. The band are clients that sign up for Rockstar Media Training. Oh, we okay. refer to them as band members. Because and they all we work really, together? We, yeah, we think okay. of it very much as a collaboration. Okay. With our band meetings, it's not just Sandy and I coaching and they have to sit there and be quiet it's like everybody interacts and that's when the real transformation happens is when you know like uh, in our last band meeting we went everyone go around and introduce yourself who are you what do you do and who do you help well Mm -hmm. it seems like a very simple exercise but then by the end of the band meeting people are like you're right I am a storyteller (laughs) you're right I am I Mm -hmm. am a truth teller you know I am I am a, a leader I never thought of myself as a coach so mm-hmm. it's the, the real, as I always say, the meat and potatoes, the real substance of it comes in when you have all these band members together and they're collaborating and helping each other out. Yeah, I think any organization, any group where you're trying to crystallize an idea or come up with your why you do what you do and who you are and who you do it mm-hmm. for, it's always helpful to do that in a group setting. Because yes. the the group is always, it's always bigger than the sum of its parts. Yes. So it's it's great that that you offer that sort of environment. Give me an example of undercovering your rock star move. Undercovering my rock star move. Or discovering. Move. Let's say discovering. discovering. Maybe undercovering was the wrong word. Let's say discovering your rock star. I believe everybody has an X factor to them. Everybody has a unique story. And when we talk about rock star, it's really more of a feeling. It's a feeling of confidence that you're doing the right thing and and you have a purpose. And and this is what I do. Present tense. It's not if you hire me, if you decide to work with me, it's when we work together, Mm -hmm. we will do this together. I've got you. We, we will do this together. 
that confidence is that rock star feeling like you were saying about moves like Jagger, you know, and, yep. and Mick Jagger. I mean, what is it about Mick Jagger? You know, what is it about Keith Richards? What is it about Prince? May he rest in peace. Right. You know, there was a level of confidence. Now, offstage, they may be different people. And that's yes. what I, I saw firsthand. I won't mention names, but a lot of the your favorite performers on stage are really quiet and shy and introverted and even mm -hmm. like socially anxious offstage. Offstage, yeah. But when they step on stage, they flip a switch mm -hmm. and they become that person. So that's what we mean by really channeling you're in a rock star. So even if you're presenting in a boardroom and you, your job is to present this PowerPoint, but you make it fun and engaging. And it's like, wow, that I didn't understand all that tech stuff, but the way you explained it to me, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. And you walk out of the room and you're like, yes, I nailed it. Mm -hmm. That's swagger. That's rock star. And that comes, and you said it at the top of the interview, and I just want to repeat it because that mm -hmm. comes with repetition. Yes. And I think people have to understand, and you mentioned it, like the training, getting to know everything you're doing in the repetition comes confidence in the repetition yes. is discovering how you're most comfortable delivering something or doing something. Yes. I mentioned, I gave a keynote the other day and somebody asked me about being on stage all the time. And I said, it asked if I was always as good as I was. And I was like, well, thank you very much. No, I <laughs> yeah. sucked when I began. And I know I sucked because I videotaped myself. But doing it over and over and over again, I realized what I was really comfortable doing. I, I discovered my own voice, the way I wanted yes. to present and yes. disseminate information. And the more comfortable I got with it, like the more I got into like, not the character of Julie, because I'm not a caricature of myself up there. I am myself. But you have to almost be yourself and then some when you're yes. on stage. You're, like, yes. you're sort of like your plus size of yourself. You're the performer. You're yeah. Julie, the performer. And that's, what, right. I mean, you're still your authentic self. But yeah, when, we, when you walk on stage, and that could mm -hmm. be even just going on an interview, you do flip that switch of, okay, you know, but you really want your personality to come through. You really right. want that authenticity to come through because that's what the audience remembers. Right. That's what they walk away with that feeling like, wow, that was great. So we've talked a lot about performing. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk a little bit because you mentioned it and I want to segue into it. There was the persona that these rock stars, these musicians had on stage. And that was mm -hmm. very different mm -hmm. from who they are off stage. And we've heard that before that you would be surprised how many of these mm -hmm. large names are introverted. So how did they transition and also get energy to do interviews, one-on-one -on -one interviews? Like how did they, cause it's, it's a very different energy. So there are times in our careers where we are, we have to have that rock star energy, the plus size of ourselves. but then there's mm -hmm. times when we have to dial it back and it's one-on-one. -on -one. Like how did you see them make that transition? Mindset. I'm like, okay, yes, we're in this small town on this TV station. And I know the show isn't until, you know, nine o'clock tonight or 10 o'clock tonight or something. But these people, like, you're there to do it. It's professionalism, Julie. It's you're there to do a job. It really is. And I've, I've seen so many performers that just were not really able to perform. You know, they had medical things going on. They had family things, personal things. But 
you have to turn that switch on. And when you're mm -hmm. going on a podcast, you're going on TV or radio or anything, you know, and act, like you said, it comes with repetition. Mm -hmm. And I worked with a lot of artists that I, I told them this. I said, look, you're always going to be talking to somebody for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been asked the same question by all these journalists. How'd you get the name of your band? How'd you get the name of that song? What right. was it like when you wrote that song? But there's always going to be somebody out there listening and hearing it for the first time. Right. Who hasn't heard that story. Hasn't yeah. heard that story. And it's not about repetition. Like you have to say the same phrase every time or you have to, you know, and it was tough doing TV because we we're like, you know, 6 a.m., 5 a.m. call times. Yeah. And the band has to perform and they have to perform at that same energy of, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people. And TV is live TV is tough because they're like, OK, three, two, one. And you're on. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the band. And you've got to perform, go from zero to 100 stage time in a matter of seconds and perform to an audience that isn't there. Right. That yes. takes rehearsal. So we mm -hmm. would practice TV. We would practice. I remember us having chairs set up around the, the soundstage. And I'm like, okay, this is camera one. This is camera two. This is camera three. And you've got to run around and you've, you know, and you got right. this much space and put tape on the floor. Like these TV studios aren't big. They're very yeah. small. So you've got to condense that down, but yet have that energy that you're playing mm -hmm. in front of 10,000 people. It does take a lot of training. And that's why Sandy D and I, the queen of podcasts, Zen and I created Rockstar is we feel that there's a need out there. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches and authors that are out promoting their book and their business are like, yeah, I want to do that, but how do I do that? And that's why we created Rockstar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to transition into you know, sort of wrapping up our conversation. Tell us what is Rockstar when people come to you, what is the main thing, their main objective they're trying to accomplish on and how do you work with people? We usually have like two different, everybody's individual, but we usually have like two different types of people. We either have like coaches or authors that are terrified of public speaking and they're coming in like, I'm just terrified to public speak. So mm -hmm. we take a different approach with them. Then there's other ones that come in like, I have no problem being on camera. I have no problem speaking in front of people. I just don't know what to say. I don't know mm -hmm. how to grab their attention. I don't know right. how to not go on and on and on and on. I don't know how to speak in sound bites. Sound bites. Mm -hmm. And that's what you take your sound bites and then you put them on the set list. And yeah. yes. So when people sign up and become part of the band and part of the Rockstar Media Training Program over at All Things Relax Studios, Dot com, then they're part of the band. And once you're part of the band, you're just like what those band members were like. We're very supportive of our band members. Mm -hmm. And we have a private Facebook group where they can post up messages and post up videos and try things out. And then we've got the band practice, which is live on, on Zoom. There is a replay. People can't make it, but it's really about that collaboration mm -hmm. and going, okay, guys, we're going to talk about our why. Why do you do what you do and really get that's where the real coaching, I think, comes in. And plus, we've got all the training videos and the workbook and one on ones and all that stuff. But the transformation really comes in when they're around other band members that are just sure. as supportive as Sandy and I. And that's what that's what the band is. And they can find you. Repeat that website again. All things dot com. OK, and I can put that in the show notes. Yep. 
So before we leave, tell us what was your favorite either concert or tour to be to work out of the 25 years. I will say out of all the artists I worked with, this one hands down is the most famous and I'll keep it brief, but I've got a story of how she contacted me and that would be Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul. Yay. May she rest in peace. She actually contacted me on my phone and left a voicemail message. And for anybody in the music business, you understand that it's usually a manager, an agent, publicist, record label, somebody's contacting you. And she called me and she hired me, you know, left a message and said, call me back. And if, if I want to call you back, I'll call you back. And if I don't, I won't. So I left a voicemail. She called right back. It was like, you know, unknown number. And I'm like, Miss Franklin, yes, yes. She's like, I'd like to hire you to mix my show. And it was just one show, but it's really a highlight of my career because the irony is, is that the very first concert I went into was Whitney Houston. Right. And although I never got to work with her, I worked with a lot of her band members in different tours, but I never worked with her directly. But to work with her hero. Yeah. And this was right before Aretha passed away. This was Uh a couple of years before. So that's definitely the highlight of, I would say, you know, I've been on all the arena tours and done all the rock and pop acts and stuff, and they're great. But I mean, working for the Queen of Soul and talk about a voice. Mm. Jen Hudson's another one, I would say, has that X factor. But uh, yeah, but you said everybody has the X factor. You just have to find out what your X factor is. That's the thing is that Mm. I think the X factor is you can't go out and say this is the X factor. It's just by you being your authentic self. Other people are going to say there's something that really connects. Yeah. There's something I really, I like what you said about that. I feel like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the X factor. Well, gee, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Julie. I wish we could go on because I'm sure you have way more stories, but this was lovely. And I'm so glad you came on. Thank you. You're welcome. When you see a performer at the top of their game, just killing it from the stage, rocking the house, looking effortless in their ability. It can be easy to forget the hours, weeks, and even years of practice that went into that performance. For example, in 2018, Beyonce was the first Black woman to headline Coachella. Her two-hour performance included up to 200 artists and was a force. Beyonce and her team rehearsed for eight months before that performance, with some days stretching past 11 hours. She rehearsed eight months for a two-hour performance. This is what rock stars do. They practice. Those eight months of rehearsals were conducted in front of an empty arena. No audience screaming her name. No one singing along to the lyrics. Just doing the work. It's what we do in the preparation time in the rehearsal, in the repetitive practice that allows us to shine in front of the audience, no matter how big or small that audience is. Want to channel your inner rock star? Practice being him or her over and over and over again until you know that you embody that swagger. I believe you can do it with practice. Okay, on to the drink of the week and man... (laughs) Did I get some fun results when I Googled Rockstar Cocktail? Lovely little ideas like Rockstar Recipe, Fucked by a Rockstar. That one included energy drinks. So as much as I would have loved 
to have made it a cocktail of the week, the caffeine was a no-go for me. There was sweet and sour rock star, kinky rock stars, lots of different rock stars. I went with the regular rock star recipe. And if this doesn't give you some swagger or at least a little liquid courage, I don't know what will. Here's what you're going to need. One part cinnamon schnapps, one part slow gin, one part triple sec, one part Jägermeister, one part 151 proof rum. Yep, that's a lot. You're going to build it in a shot glass with no ice, putting rum in last. You're going to Plate that rum on fucking fire with a match or a lighter, let it burn, and then extinguish the flame by placing an empty shot over the fire. Before you drink this, make sure all the fire is out so you don't burn your fucking face, okay? All right, folks, that's it for this week. If you are looking for more Julie Brown, you can follow me on LinkedIn at JulieBrownBD or on Instagram at JulieBrown underscore BD. And if you want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is so much fucking fun if I do say so myself, Head on over to Julie Brown BD and scroll to the bottom of the page to sign up. As always, thank you for being here. Until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.